magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today with another episode of the podcast. We wanted to talk a little bit today about the printed materials that were made for Jewel Riders. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about printed materials with an S. I feel like there was like one. Yeah, depending on what country you lived in, you had one choice. (laughs) Exactly, you had a printed material. And if you don't really know what they are... In America, there was the sound book for Princess Guinevere. And then in France, there was a Panini sticker book for Starla. I know Panini sticker books are not really something that are ever really seen in the U.S., but there are these fun books where you can put stickers in them. They're like basically like collectible cards, but stickers that you can then fill the book out with. You know, it's so funny that you say it's not really a big thing because one of the highlights of my personal memories was a Panini sticker book of Disney princesses. Really? Yes, I had it and it was probably like 92 or 93, I want to say. Okay. But it was one of those early Disney princess collection of like, you know, printed stuff Uh that was produced by Disney. And I just cherish it so much. I still have a copy. Did you put all the stickers in it? Well, I did when I was a kid, and then later on, I bought a new book, and it was a blank book. So oh. now I have one blank, so and I have hoarded all of the books. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I have one that's unused, and I have a new one. Yeah. So I have two different versions of it. Yeah, I have one for dragonflies, but I know I bought that from England. So again, another yeah. European yeah. version. Well, I guess England actually isn't Europe. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. Rock, I apologize rock, rock. to all okay. those United <laughs> Kingdom people. But yeah, so basically, there were the two printing materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know recently we actually have been working to bring those books to life. Right. Yeah, if if you're paying attention to our social media and our YouTube channel, we've actually done some like live, not live, but recordings of the books. So reading the story with the sound effects in, it's really cool. It's kind of like a read-along almost. Mm-hmm. If you have the book, you know, turn the page now. <laughs> that was exactly it. Yeah. And for me, the Disney read-alongs were such an important part of my childhood. Right. I loved them so much that I would constantly be making the audio productions on my own. Yeah, I think you actually love them more than the movies. <laughs> well, you know how much I love marketing and yes. merchandise. Yeah, so, I mean, these were something that were just so popular and just ubiquitous in the 90s. Book on tape. I had like a Rainbow Bright one, mm-hmm. um, you know, just almost every media property. Star Wars. Yeah, would have these things. And so it was like, you know, it could be fun for jewel writers to have a very similar thing. And, you know, well, we've only got one option for the book. So. <laughs> well, and the one thing that we did is because as we were talking about, each of these materials were released in their respective countries. Mm-hmm. So the English book is obviously that just it's English. So what we were able to do is we partnered with a friend of ours in France and we were able to get them to make sure that our translation was correct. Yeah. So now we have the sound book in English and also in French. And so when we're doing the recordings, we have an English narrator. Right. And then we also have a French narrator as well. Yeah. So it's very cool. We'll be able to, you know, post all of those up to the YouTube channel. 
so you can listen to them. And we're also going to be releasing them as part of this podcast as well. Right. So if you stay tuned to the end of the podcast, you can listen to our audio productions of these. Yeah, we're going to be sharing the English version. So as Chris was mentioning, we... Basically, we're inspired by the classic read-alongs of the 80s and 90s, but that also meant that they had sound effects and music. So this is a perfect example um, of how there is a little bit of synergy between Avalon, Web of Magic, and Jewel Riders, because it has kind of the same flair, and even, I believe we said, the same writer for the music as well. Yeah. um, Jeff? Jeff Pas... No, not Jeff Paschetto. Um... Lou Faganson. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Lou, Lou Faganson, Lou yes. Faganson actually wrote the Avalon Orchestral Suite that you can hear... You used to be able to hear it on the old Avalon Web of Magic website, but you can also hear it now. We have a copy of it archived on the YouTube. But it's this beautiful orchestral piece that's very mythology, mythological sounding. And, With harps and yeah, different... Yeah, it's all... Re, you it's know. sort of Renaissance, medieval sounding. So it was like a perfect choice to go with this book. Right. So we used that as the music. And then we also used the sound effects in the sound book to enhance the story as well. Right. But there's two different versions. And the one that we're going to be sharing is... Well, we'll, you'll just have to find out which one we're going to share at the end. But there is a version where we use the sound effects from the book. And then there's a version where I thought they sound a little hokey. So let's not use them and let's use some different sound effects. So just you have to stay tuned to find out which one it is. But both of those versions are going to be available, as Chris mentioned, on our YouTube channel. So that is the Play a Sound book. Mm -hmm. And then the next one that we're working on is the Panini Sticker book. Right. So same thing. This one was released in France, Mm -hmm. so it is all in French. So we were able to work together to get the French translation, and we're going to get it worked on to be an English translation. Right. Did you put this through a machine translator at all? It is. It's Google Translate. Okay. You know, it's so funny, actually, uh, about what was it, five years ago or so, mm-hmm. when I first got the sticker book, I had a boyfriend of mine who spoke French fluently right. go through it, and and basically I filmed him translating it word for word. <laughs> but now we have the technology and the magic where I can just hover my camera over the page and it immediately tells I me know. what all the text Isn't is. That amazing? It is amazing. So basically what we were going to do then is we're going to have two different narrators. The first narrator is going to be reading the story in English and then the French narrator has gone through and read the entire story in French and those will be released in separate episodes essentially. So right. some Somewhat like a book on audio more than a read-along. Like, there's not going to necessarily be a lot of sound effects. There's not, you know, music specifically cued to that scene. Right. The short sound book is more like that. The other one is more like a book on audio. Okay. Now, the Panini sticker book, refresh my memory, does it tell, like, the story of Jewel Quest? Is that... Yeah, so it's broken up into different sections. So it starts off with a generic kind of opening. Now, you're thinking Jewel Quest because the sound book is basically Jewel Quest. Right. It's parts one and two. Right. But the Benini sticker book is beautiful because it goes through the different episodes. So you have, like, the Jewel Quest episode, and you also have Jewel Quest part two, and then after that, there's um, I believe it is Wizard's Peak, yeah. so there's that episode. And then I want to say that there's also the Fairy Princess, and I know that there's also Home Sweet Heartstone, 
And I want to say that there is Dream Fields. I could be wrong. Um, and then I know that it ends with uh, Full Circle and Revenge of the Dark Stone. So, okay. yeah, I don't think it has Dream Fields, oh, yeah. but it has those different episodes. Okay. So it's almost like the series. It's like a condensed version of the series, right. basically. And I think that that's why I was so jealous that it wasn't released in English, right. you know? I right. mean, it basically is like a little storybook, like almost right. like imagine if it was like mm-hmm. a little golden book. That would be awesome. Yeah. One thing I always wish Jewel Riders had had very similar to the 80s and 90s properties like He-Man, She-Ra, and Jem are little golden books or just storybooks in general. Oh, little golden books. I Such know. memories. They're so cute. Although, you know, I think I almost like the new golden books because they're very reminiscent of, well, obviously the retro golden books yes. that we had as kids or even right. earlier, like like the reproductions of mm-hmm. like the 50s and 60s yeah. ones. So I would have loved to have seen a Jewel Writers storybook done in the art style right. of like the 50s yeah, or, like that, you know, the 60s. that little bit of like Mary Blair-ish influence. Yes. Oh, that and, would be so cute. Yeah. You know, there was a fan that had created some artwork for the Jewel Writers. It was a Fallon, I believe, a deluxe Fallon. And she just looks so cute in that very stylized I've, I've art. I've seen that before, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's really like a perfect match for Jewel Riders. Mm-hmm. It would have been so cute if they would have had installments. So similar to how the sticker book goes to the different episodes to have uh-huh. each book like, this is the Jewel Quest book, or this is the Wizard's yeah. Peak book, or the Fairy Princess. Or even beyond that, it would have been fun to have stories that were not featured in the show. Because then you could have built a larger universe. You could have had, you know... I think a very often storybooks seem to have like smaller scale stories than the animated episodes. It's so funny that you mentioned that because the first thing that I think of are the Skydancer and Dragonfly books. Yes. Where you look at them. Now, I liked them because of the art. The Dragonfly books looked more like the show itself. Yes. Meanwhile, the Skydancer books, I feel like there was two different versions. The first one was basically based off of the toys. Right. And the second one had a little bit of influence from the series itself. Right. But it's almost like the ones that was mainstream were the ones that were based off of the toys. So you look at them and you're like, this had nothing to do with the animated yeah. series that I love. Who's April Blossom and who's Sea Star? Right. And yeah. what's, what's this dolphin got to do with anything? Exactly. It's. I mean, that was just the crazy way in which Sky Dancers first exploded as a toy and then they went back and tried to make a, a story out of it. Mm-hmm. When It's like, there was no story. And it's funny that we should also say about the fact that it was based on the toys because I feel like a lot of fans create artwork that's based on the dolls for jewel writers nowadays. Yes. Like, and and we did this as kids too. Because mm-hmm. when we drew them, they were often, we we were drew them as they looked in the show, but then we also did basically fan art of the dolls. Right. And I know um, I have some original artwork from a fan named Jackie Distel. Mm-hmm. And I recently had it framed. And it was, and they're all very doll-based Images of the main five dolls from the Jewel uh, Power dolls, you know, so Gwen, Fallon, Tamara, Drake, and Kale. And it's great because they've got, you know, just that toyetic sort of feeling to them. The biggest thing that's an indicator for me is the the, uh, 
the ornaments on the sides of their helmets. Yes. So, like, Tamara, if she has very pronounced, like, details of a butterfly, you're like, mm-hmm. this is obviously based on the toy. Because right. in the show, she does not have that amount of detail. Right, exactly. I mean, obviously, for animation, things are always streamlined. See, you know, original She-Ra doll versus the symmetrical design they created for the animated series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, you know, Gwen, like, the... On Gwen's helmet, for instance, like the f- there's much more feather detail on the wings on her helmet mm-hmm. for, in the toy. Um, Fallon has you know ripples and everything in the flags. Drake has the purple wolf helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I almost feel like Drake's toy features though are a little bit less detailed than in the show. Yes, it's really funny. <laughs> like the wolf helmet, I feel like has more detail in the show than it yes. does on the oh, toy. Oh, definitely. Because I mean, it's a smooth piece. You right. know, the helmet is smooth, and yet they could have given it like details yeah. or like a little bit of fur or whatever. I, yeah, it might be. I wish they would have added a few details. Yeah. to the toy. But we're not talking about toys. <laughs> as we we're always about books. As we always go to toys. We got distracted. Apologies, yeah. everyone. So, but yeah, long story short, we love little golden books. We love read-alongs. And that was something that we wanted to bring to the retelling of these books. So, do you want to discuss the uh, Play a Sound book for a little bit? Sure. Okay. So, we're actually going to be releasing one of our archive showcase episodes where we mm-hmm. talk about the, the Play a Sound yeah. book. And we go through it, and we will be sharing, basically, our review of the actual book itself. We're also going to be releasing videos that have the isolated sounds for the sound effect. Okay. And then we also, of course, have our highlight video where we have the scans of the book, which actually you can download right now. The book is completely available for download on the website. All you have to do is just go to the merchandise, other items, and then there's the sound book. Yeah. So that is basically the book. As we mentioned, it is a synopsis. It's a quick retelling of Jewel Quest Part 1 and Part 2. And again, we recently translated it into French from English, and we have the two different audio versions available. There's going to be the one using the sound effects of the book, mm-hmm. and then one that has some original sound effects, and it's basically like a read-along inspired. Yeah. So... Are there going to be four versions of this then? No, it's only three. Okay. So it's the English and French using the sound book sound effects. Okay. And then there's the English version that is just using new original Original sound sound effects. effects. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. And then again, the sticker book has been translated into English, and it will feature a, um, a, a kind of more or less like an audiobook type of music background right. so the the soundtrack is just going to be more or less just mm-hmm. a generic music okay um to, to help basically tell the story but it'll be broken down into different episodes okay so that's basically our audio productions from these printed um memorabilia of jewel writers and as we mentioned it is only really those two and one thing that we've been talking about a lot mm-hmm. is our ambition and our desire to want to create basically a fan-created publication. And right. I think that's really the next part of this podcast, at least, is that we want to tell the story of our zine. Right. So, in addition, you know, this since this is an episode about printed materials, you know, we wanted to t- also talk about the newest printed material that is the Circle of Friends 25th Anniversary Zine that we've put together. 
It yep. was just recently printed, Yay. and yes. we've These... been sending out the the copies. Yeah. And it's so amazing to see this and to have it in hand. Right, and it's so amazing to see people receiving and enjoying their copies. Um, it was always a dream of mine from like the very beginning of the archive when we put this list together of things that we wanted to do. And one of the ones was like, book, question mark? <laughs> like, I still sometimes wonder, book, question, question mark? mark? Yeah. Like, was this really real? I mean, so often people ask us like, oh, I thought I dreamt it up. I almost feel like, I feel like I dreamt up the zine. Like, I, I look know. at it and it's like, is this, is this real? Did we I really know. put this together? You know, it's like, we laughed when we made the pins a couple, like a year or so ago. Because we were like, oh my god, it's like the first new merchandise, quote unquote, in twenty five for jewel years. riders. Yeah, in twenty five years, and I feel very similarly about the zine. And I mean, the zine has been so much work, like more work than I ever expected something like this to be. I'm not sure if I really understood the workload. I think I, I think if I had, I might not have done it. <laughs> well, I think I definitely started to comprehend and understand and grasp the amount of work when I was just beginning to organize the images. So, right. as Chris mentioned, this was something that we wanted to do very early on mm-hmm. and we had it on yes. kind of the list of to-dos and and I know you wanted to do this and I think I was just kind of like along for the ride on this one. This was definitely Chris-driven. Right. But when we started to organize it and we said, okay, now that we know that we want to do this, let's start talking about timelines. Let's start start talking about, you know, what's going to happen. And to organize it all, I started to go through all of our entire archive. And I think it really helped that we did this kind of after the initial release of the 25th anniversary and the website redesign. Right. Because everything was already kind of organized. Right. You'd already done a ton of work for the 25th anniversary in terms of organizing and collating all of like the thousands of images that literally we have. thousands yeah and exactly so i basically was able to just move the organized folders from my desktop mm-hmm. to our google drive that we shared with our um with our art creator and so the designer you know had access to all those images but it was really helpful for for me to have already gone through and have organized all the archive and basically just to drop in all the images but it's just having to choose from the thousands of images of what images are going to be featured in the publication in what sections on what pages right it's like as i was writing it i would always my little calling card was like a double bracket with Image of X thing, image of Y thing. But, you know, for you're like, you want an image of Cleo, for mm-hmm. instance. Well, we have, like, probably... Like 20 or 20 so. 20 images of Cleo. Which one do you want? Do you want it from a sticker? Mm-hmm. Do you want it from a screen cap? Do you want it from the book? Right. Like, and then, well, does it go with this section? Does it not go with this section? So there's so many different considerations when we started putting the images together and it was like it didn't feel real because you were collating images and I was writing content for the book at the same time and I wrote some content and you too. wrote some content later when I was like oh my god I can't finish this all on my own it, it it's also interesting to note of course we have our particular, I guess you could say, chapters or sections that each of us kind of identified with. Right. So, basically, Chris wrote 
most of it. And then we reached out to, like, let's say, um, the Avalon Archives of Jock yeah, over we, there. And Jock was very sweet and contributed, like, a beautiful, like, memory-filled two-page spread on Avalon Web of Magic. Right. And we reached out to also Lisa and Stormy mm-hmm. for Friends of the Archive to have, share their memories. But I took on, basically, the marketing and the toy production and release. So I think even just in my head, I was like, okay, it's just the three sections. Like, Chris is writing the rest. But then when I delivered the final written part, it was just pages and pages of text. I remember you were like, I I don't have anything to say. And then you, like, thud. Here's (laughs) all of these pages. It's like, what do you mean? I knew you had things to say. Again, I guess it's just the parts that we really identified with and were passionate about. You know, like, I was super interested in exploring the origins of the series from Dragon Riders of Pern to Enchanted Camelot to Jewel Riders and Prototypes and all of that. And you were very interested in exploring, you know, marketing and memorabilia and stuff like that. So it did, I think, you know, that combined really well and gelled nicely together in terms of our big interests in how the show was put together and structured. Mm -hmm. So after we organized everything in that sense, we then started working with a designer. And it was from there that Josh was able to take our images and our text and start putting it together. But even then... I'm just very picky. Yes. And so I had an idea... This is known. (laughs) (laughs) So I had an idea of exactly kind of what I wanted. Yeah. And I think that Josh and I worked well in the sense that he was able to understand what I was looking for. And so when I would talk to him or I would give him direction, he was able to piece it together. And if not, we were able to work together to make it look the way that I had envisioned it. Right. But then other times, you know, he would say things like, oh, you know, you really need a splash page or this Mm -hmm. is kind of the way that I envisioned it. So I laid it out this way and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, like that's amazing. Like I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. I mean, like I am not, I'm not a graphic designer person pretty much at all. My thoughts were like, okay, let's try to make it feel like something from the 90s. Let's give it those sort of Memphis design elements that we enjoy so much, you know, it's that are all really super popular again for whatever reason mm-hmm. right now. And I was like, okay, if it looks kind of 90s, like, I was good. And... You know, I mean, he just sort of blew me out of the water with his design work. Well, a lot of those, the, you know, the triangles and things like that, that was all Josh. I mean, originally, I just basically told him, I was like, oh, you can kind of do 90s with, like, the color scheme. Or, like, I gave him cutouts of, like, the stones. But he's the one that added all of, like, how you're saying, the Memphis styling. And I think that it enhances the story because it gives you a time placement as well. So when you're looking at this... You know, you're reading about all the things that were happening in the text, and it's like the graphics of it help, you know, enhance the right. story. Right. No, it. it it creates, you know, from what were disparate elements of the writing and the art, the design piece brings them together into this really beautiful and, you know, when I first saw it, unexpectedly wonderful whole. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing that I think really stuck with me was the fact that. When we were looking at creating a zine, not only were we looking at creating something that told the story of basically just the memorabilia, I think that that's kind of the way that it started out. Like, you know what? We have so many images in the archive. Mm -hmm. We want to share them. So let's start organizing it in that way. But we added other things that really I didn't initially think about, like character bios. Yeah. 
and lots of other pages. I mean, like, the backstory of, like, some of, like, the actual show itself. Yeah. It's like, I know, I think originally I was, you know, we were interested in being like, we're going to tell the story of the creation and release of this show. And, you know, I think at the time we didn't even know the Pern connection totally. And, you know, Enchanted Camelot, like, we hadn't even seen some of the images yet. Like, I think there was actually images that we found, like, during the making of the zine. And one of them even, like, made it into the final zine. Right. Well, and if you're talking about when we originally started the archive, Mm -hmm. when we were discussing this back in 2015, yeah, we had none of these assets. And so really, like I said, it was more or less more like a, I don't know, like a toy catalog. Like, just images of all of the memorabilia. Right. Because that's all that we had. Kind of like those things that they produce for Barbie Mm -hmm. that are, like, fan-produced, basically, like, here's the Barbies from 1986 to 1996, mm-hmm. you know, and here's what she was released with, and... Right. Which the, is also fun, I mean, but the thing is, right. is that... So but Jewel many, Riders, you'd have, like, ten pages, and you'd well, be done. <laughs> I was gonna say, but the fans, I mean, I think that that's the thing, is that the fans already have access, like, if, you know, if they have their own doll collection, they already mm-hmm. have access to these dolls. They know exactly what comes in them. Right. So, while we do our archive showcase episodes, and we review the toys, that's a little bit different because we're talking about our own memories and sharing Mm -hmm. our own discussion about the toys and and our own thoughts on it but the zine is able to share behind the scenes either scans or artwork or stories Mm -hmm. access to things that people don't really you know have that knowledge of right and you know most of what is in the zine is on the archive website if you want to dig through each and every subsection that's you know very well delineated what we have there. But I think the thought with doing the zine was that let's bring it into a cohesive piece. Let's tell the story basically from beginning to end, Mm -hmm. you know, from the very creation of the idea all the way to, you know, the Jewel Riders archive and Avalon Web of Magic at the end. Right. So as we discussed, all that's newly written material. Right. Yeah. It was all newly written material. And it was an opportunity to really kind of make a keepsake almost. Mm -hmm. Something that you could, you know, it's different. It is different when you hold something in your hand Mm -hmm. and you you just engage with it differently. And since we're talking about holding in your hand, I think that we should also note that while we did have, we do have a limited run of printed zines, yeah. if you're interested, we are also selling a digital version as well. Right. And yeah. we'll get to all those specifics yeah. later. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people don't have space, they don't, you know, care to pay shipping. We wanted to give those people the opportunity to experience this as well. Right. So it's just, you know, it's funny because I'm looking at it right now. And I see the image on the cover, and it was an image that I had originally commissioned from an artist that I wanted to make as a pin design. Mm-hmm. The pin turned out to be exorbitantly expensive. This was also going to be a jumbo pin, wasn't it? Yeah, it was going to be like a large, probably like three or four inch pin. Mm-hmm. And it was like 
Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Way too much, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, which I would still love to do it. I would, but I would have to have like pre-orders or something at this point. To It'd be a pre-order yeah, for like fifty dollars, exactly. So, but right it turned now, out to be know. a perfect cover, right, for the zine. And not only that, but I was going to say we're also using it all over the website as well. Right. So yeah. for the, it's basically our twenty-fifth anniversary logo. Right. Yeah. So it's like you know, I'm I was really glad to be able to share that art and still use it even if the pin sadly you know tear never came into into production so and it's a beautiful piece of artwork i mean i love the designs i think that it's almost like not quite reboot because it's not really that far from the original design but it has the intent of it but yet it has a little bit of a modern look to it right i think there's a little bit of a nice comic styling to Mm -hmm. it that's a good word for it yeah yeah Yeah, it does look almost comic like and i think that's what makes it feel complete is that it is on a printed material right so you look at it and it's like oh it's kind of like a comic you know i love it i love it and it's 64 pages mm-hmm. of behind-the-scenes stories. Right. It's full color. Photos, memories, lots and lots of fun things. So I guess we can also get into the details of this. We can we can find this on the Joyer's Etsy page. Right, yeah. It's basically being sold almost exclusively through the Etsy page. That's sort of the home base to buy any of the things that we produce. The pins we made last year for the 25th anniversary, or this zine as well. Right, and right now it's retailing for $30. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been also talking about the pins. We do still also have pins available as well. Those are marked individually at $8, or you can buy the group set for $25. Yeah, which is a a good deal. And the group set also gives you the forest stone. So that's the... That's the hook, right? Is it it the chaser pin, is that? Or what's it called? Completer pin? Completer, yeah. Yeah. So you have to buy the set in order to get the forest stone. Right. And the forest stone is purely because I love the forest stone. (laughs) I would have paid for it no matter what. Right. To make it. So you make Chris's dream come true by buying the completer set. Thank (laughs) you. Um, but you know, it's so fun to have a printed item for jewel writers. As you said, you know, I think we would have loved to have had little golden books or more storybooks or comics even. And I know we tried that with the unicorn comics as well. I know. They were it just turned out to be a little more work, I think, than we had the time for. But it at is the featured time. in the zine. Yeah. So and the, we and the back artwork is the comic yeah, art. The comic artist Achon was able to provide a, basically a mirror image for the back of the zine. So the front has the girl in this the girls in a circle for a circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And the back has all of the animals in a circle. For a circle of for friends. For a circle of friends. Yeah. I just thought it was Do you sense the theme. I, I like the symmetry of that. So. Yes. It's very circular. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> very cool. Uh, yeah. Well yeah, I I just I love the zine and, and actually I'm I'm seeing it for the first time today right. while we were recording. Yeah. So it's so fun to finally see it. Um, again the digital version is available as well. Those are available for download on our Etsy for twelve dollars. Yeah, and they'll they email it to you and and you can get the download link like right from them. Right. So it's an automatic, otherwise it's yeah. being shipped to you. Yeah. It's being shipped very <laughs> Very slowly by me. <laughs> <laughs> but still, so if you want a printed version, and again, these are also limited runs, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we'll make another run of these. We may in the future, but I think it, you know, depends on how these 
sell, basically. Consider it limited edition. Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems unlikely that we will. It's more it's more to fulfill something for the fans who really love it and who really want sort of a piece of Jewel Rider's history, I guess. Celebrating the 25th anniversary. Yeah. I mean, if you are as nerdy as we are about toys and the development of toys and animation and animated series, I think this is like an amazing little slice of that from the 1990s. Right. For a show that will never get the treatment of like Batman the Animated Series or X-Men or, you know, He-Man or She-Ra with their giant books from Dark Horse that I wish Jewel Riders had anything like. So what you're saying is Jewel Riders needs to either be bought by Disney or bought by Mattel. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> if I there's any investors I out there. I wouldn't say no to either of those happening. Right. Um, instead of floating in the ether like it does. <laughs> of like, who owns this? Who doesn't own this? Right. And does anyone want to take responsibility for owning this? Right. And, you know, we... I, this isn't the podcast for it, but we were saying about how it's uh, the latest merchandise for it. You know, we did also recently talk about the release of two new DVDs as well. Right, yeah, those German DVDs. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome. So talking about, you know, who the copyright owner is, I mean, obviously someone out there is releasing new right. merchandise, but that was also working with us. Right. As we mentioned, we're giving credit on the DVDs, so yep, that's pretty awesome. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing to... Even if it's the tiniest text on the back of a DVD. Right. But it's, it's our 25th anniversary logo yeah, on it as well. They use I, little sun stuff with the 25. I squealed when I saw your little 25th anniversary logo on there. I was like, oh my god, have we right. made this? Yay, like, we did it! And if you like any of those designs, especially like the 25th sun, and if you want it on your shirt or anything like that, again... Um, shameless plug for our Redbubble shop, but you can go to Redbubble. We have those 25th anniversary designs. We have the comic art that Chris was talking about. We also have the Sun logo or just the 25th anniversary logo. All of that's on merchandise. Yeah, like last year at the 25th anniversary, you found a ton of great images Mm -hmm. while you were sorting. Right, exactly. And then you were able to make really cool stuff on Redbubble Mm -hmm. with that. I know I ordered, like, a magnet mm. and a couple of other things. Stickers seem to be the fan yeah, favorite. Yeah, people love those stickers. I mean, I like them. I yeah. mean, you know, they're fun. But, yeah, it was also that I cut them out. So, you know, right. they they're, they they have the negative image behind them. So they're a cutout of a sticker. Uh-huh. They're not just a square sticker. So I right. think maybe that's what people like as well. Yeah. And you can put it on thermoses. You can put it on binders. Yeah, laptops. Exactly. Like, you could decorate your space with them. It is yeah. neat. I mean... I have the Jewel Riders Archive logo sticker on my sketchbook, so... I put the Jewel Riders sticker on one of our binders that we have for archiving, so... Yeah. That was my way of labeling yeah. it and knowing <laughs> what it awesome. is. So, you know, and and so as, as we're talking about also the printed materials, I think it's interesting to also note that for me the Starla Panini book and again you can see scans of this it's available on jewelryersarchive.com if you look under the merchandise or memorabilia and you go under Princess Starla Mm -hmm. um, there is the sticker book under there under a subheading but the artwork inside of it is really just like this like very colorful 90s very bold um there are also some character outlines of like an awesome merlin and grim and they have like the pegasus but it's just kind of like 
there's also fun backgrounds, like they have production backgrounds, like one of them is the fairy princess background, and it's just very colorful, and, and I really like it, and I think that that combined with the stickers mm -hmm. of s screenshots from the show, um, plus the lenticular stickers. Oh yeah, those holographic stickers are amazing. Right, so like... But there's like a big Lisa Frank energy to well, this Well, I was book. gonna say, I think that it's, it is very 90s, and it's very almost Lisa Frank, as yeah. you're saying, but then you look at the sound book of America, and when I first saw this, I was not impressed with the artwork. I thought... The it, art is not was, the best. It's very off-model, and they just look rather unfortunate in many of these scenes. Right. And again, you can look at this artwork on the website. We right. have it under the memorabilia section. Again, I guess we should be lucky enough just to have this artwork. Yeah. But you just look at the two, and it's almost like... I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously there was two very different art direction here. Like, the French one yeah. was almost like, make it cool, make it vibrant. And the other one was kind of, I don't know what art direction they were given. <laughs> Here's an afterthought product. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, you know, we've talked about this before and about how it seems a lot of first-run Princess Guinevere merchandise was based on Jewel Quest. Yeah. You know, and this was another one where the play a sound book was just based on Jewel Quest. Yeah, it's just literally the Jewel Quest part one and two. Right. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't... Obviously, the creative team knew that they were making an entire series out of this. But it feels like a lot of this Jewel Quest merchandise is just branded as Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. Not like... Specifically, like, Princess Guinevere and the Jewelers with, like, a subheading of, like, Jewel Quest right. or something. It's just... This seems to be the kind of like the storyline. Right. You know? It's interesting. It reminds me of Gargoyles. Uh -huh. How so much of their things produced in the 90s were based on that five-part awakening mm -hmm. storyline, and then there's like nothing else based. There's like nothing based on really anything else. Is Dragonfly similar to that? Because I know Dragonfly's also kind of released like the first few episodes yeah, of the movie. I believe in the US, Dragonfly's only ever had that one VHS okay. that they cut together like the first three episodes as a movie but the episodes are like not telling this like a one contiguous story mm -hmm. so it's sort of like well it's sort of a movie it's <laughs> sort of just mashed together episodes well and i don't know if song of the rainbow is really necessarily seen as like what's the correct word that i want to use almost like like this is going to be not our pilot but this is like the show that we want to give to people to kind of know what Jewel Riders is because they gave the promotional VHS right. of Song of the Rainbow and many of the advertisements, like let's say for the VHS, um, the commercials themselves really only feature scenes from Song of the Rainbow. Right. So it's like, why didn't they choose to use Song of the Rainbow as the picture, you know, as the song, right. as the sound book, or, and, and then even in the sticker book, I don't believe that Song of the Rainbow is one of the featured it's episodes. Not. I don't think outside of the U.S. it seems that it was as big. Maybe. But. I guess I just feel like maybe it's my own personal preference for Tamara, but, like, Song of the Rainbow is just such a perfect episode. I mean, it has awesome music, kind of has that 
Renaissance medieval feel because of the craft fair. Right. But then also you do have one of your main characters under a trance. Right. You know, I don't know if that's the best thing for promoting your show for one of your primary three characters to be out of it. <laughs> <laughs> under some sort of hypnosis. Right. But I don't know. I mean, that kind of like... It, it makes it feel magical. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. so there's magic involved. But yeah, Song of the Rainbow is one of those episodes that really combines, you know, adventure, fashion, music, mm-hmm. magic. I mean, the boys were even in it. Right. And there's, you know, a good story with it. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of mystery with the harp. Right. And the pieces of the, and of it's the one rainbow of the jewel. Jewels. Yeah. It's a crown jewel episode, which are always, you know... A little bit better than mm-hmm. the non-ones. Right. Um, you mean Home Sweet Hearthstone isn't not my fr- something do- to receive an award? <laughs> I do love Badlands. But, Badlands is good. But, you know, that's the Fallon effect, right? Like, everything about Fallon is always good. The Fallon effect? <laughs> does the dolls also have the Fallon effect? It does. Fallon's oh, beautiful. Fallon's, like, probably my favorite of the of the dolls. She's always She always looks beautiful like mm-hmm. and i think part of that is probably what greg atore has told us before about that special skin tone they mixed for her it's very warm and vibrant mm-hmm. and you know the purple and black hair just pretty much rocks so. right and we talk more about that in our yeah, archive showcase exactly. review of the dolls again not about dolls <laughs> not <laughs> yes, about we keep toys sidetracked <laughs> printed well, things then i guess we should just move on to the yeah. next the next spotlight feature Yeah. So we're going to be sharing our version of the Play a Sound book. Okay. And it is the English version. And I know we talked about, we don't know what version it's going to be, but we are going to be sharing the version that I created new sound effects, or at least um, didn't use the original sound effects because they sound a little hokey. Well, I'm glad you decided by the end of the episode which one (laughs) you wanted to use. So we're going to be using that one. So that's basically going to be featured right after this. Yeah. So enjoy, and friends together. Friends forever. Keep listening. <laughs> the, the presentation is about to begin, everyone. All right. Have a great day. All right, bye. bye. This is the story of Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. Let's begin now. All of Avalon is busy preparing for tomorrow's Circle of Friendship ceremony. It's the biggest day of the year for Princess Guinevere. At the ceremony, she will receive the magical sunstone and be paired with a special animal friend. At last, she will be a jewel rider like her friends, Fallon and Tamara. The jewel riders have a very important responsibility in Avalon. The great wizard Merlin tells Guinevere and her friends, The goodness of the wild magic created by the crown jewels flows through every part of life in Avalon. It is your destiny as jewel riders to maintain the balance of magic in the kingdom. You must work with your chosen animal friends to protect the crown jewels. Guinevere's evil aunt, Lady Kale, is jealous of Merlin. She wants the power of the crown jewels for herself. With the help of her Dweezil sidekicks and Grim the Dragon, she discovers a powerful new jewel, the Dark Stone. 
With the power of the Dark Stone, I will be able to ride the wild magic and reach all of the magical spots in the kingdom, shouts Lady Kale. I will capture the crown jewels, and Avalon will be mine! We're with you, witchy one, cried the Dweezels. Lady Kale finds Merlin and traps him in a magic bubble. Give me the key to the crown jewels, or you will be lost in the wild magic forever, says Lady Kale. Just as Merlin is about to give her the key, a helpful hawk swoops in and carries it away. After that bird, shouts Lady Kale. She banishes Merlin to the wild magic with the dark stone. Grim the dragon hurts the hawk's wings with his fiery breath. The wounded hawk lands in the grove where a young winged unicorn, Sunstar, is grazing. Please take this key to the crystal palace, the hawk sputters. But Lady Kale has already seen Sunstar. Great beasts! A flying unicorn! cries Lady Kale. Give me that key! Sunstar is too young and clumsy to fly. She can't escape the Dweezels. At the Crystal Palace, Queen Anya and King Jared have learned of a disturbance in the wild magic. They are worried about Merlin. Someone is using a powerful new jewel that was not tuned by Merlin. It is upsetting the balance of the wild magic and the kingdom is in danger. You must find Merlin says King Jared. Guinevere, the pack, and the Jewel Riders set out for Merlin's cottage. The Jewel Riders arrive at Merlin's cottage too late. It has been ransacked by Lady Kale's Dweezels. Merlin's owl friend, Archie, is there to tell the Jewel Riders where to go. Lady Kale has stolen the crown jewels! Ride the wild magic to Ravenwood! She must be holding Merlin prisoner there! cries Archie. Hurry! Guinevere and the Jewel Riders ride the wild magic to Ravenwood. There, they find Lady Kale, who has caught Sunstar and stolen Merlin's key to the jewel box. Princess Guinevere tries to rescue Sunstar from the Dweezel's jail. Fallon and Tamara use their jewels against Lady Kale and the Darkstone. Spike, Tamara's brave baby panther, tries to save Tamara. Look out, Spike! cries Tamara. Spike is struck by the beam of the Darkstone. Tamara rushes to his side. She cries to Fallon in the pack. Power up! We must form an enchanted jewel circle to heal Spike! By the power of the Heartstone, says Tamara. By the power of the Moonstone, says Fallon. By the power of the Forest Stone, says Drake. With the power and goodness of the enchanted jewel circle, Spike is quickly healed. But Lady Kale escapes into the wild magic. Guinevere. The Jewel Riders and the pack chase Lady Kale to Thornwood. It is the dark land she has created for her castle. Lady Kale has captured Merlin's key from Sunstar and opened the jewel box. The jewels will give me the power to control the wild magic, 
Now I will rule all of Avalon! <laughs> Cackles Lady Kale. Mighty magic witchy thing! Cried the Dweezels. Suddenly, Merlin appears in the center of the Ring of Jewels. Your dark magic couldn't destroy me, Kale, Merlin says. Until safety is restored to Avalon, I return the crown jewels to the lands from whence they came. He cast the jewels into the seven corners of the kingdom. Lady Kale is angry that Merlin ruined her plans to rule Avalon. She tries to summon her dark magic again, but she can no longer control the dark stone. The stone's magic turns against her and destroys Thornwood. Lady Kale's dark castle crumbles and the ground splits open. Oh no, where's Guinevere? Cries Tamara. She and Sunstar fell into that hole, says Fallon. At that moment, Sunstar flies out of the hole. Princess Guinevere is safe on her back. I knew you could fly, Sunstar, says Guinevere. Guinevere, the Jewel Riders, and the pack return to the Crystal Palace for the Circle of Friendship ceremony. Princess Guinevere receives the Sunstone and is united with her special animal partner, Sunstar. Finally, Guinevere is one of the Jewel Riders. Merlin congratulates her and calls the Jewel Riders to action. We must restore the balance of the wild magic. Go in search of the crown jewels and return them to safety. Then Avalon will be peaceful again, says Merlin. Guinevere and the Jewel Riders power up to prepare for their next great adventure. <laughs>